All right, welcome back to Insight Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about the things we watched, movies or TV, and also sometimes we talk about some of the things that we heard about. We'll we'll start let's start things off with Beavis and Butthead do the universe. What is it? Is this a sequel? This is a prequel? It's a Paramount Plus uh, original movie. Mike Judge coming back to his original creation, his original animated creation, mm-hmm. uh, where he is now directing. I think he wrote this. And he's doing the voices again for Beavis and Butthead. I was actually quite shocked. I, I didn't realize this was in the in the making. I heard about, um, I heard that there there were there there was a green light for to do this, but I didn't realize it was done, or this soon. You know, so I was actually shocked to see the the, the teaser trailer come out, and it's and in fact that it's, it's going to be released uh, later this month in June twenty third. Yeah, well, I remember I remember when they made the announcement during that big Paramount uh, Plus day. Um, before they launched the app, and this was one of the big things that uh, that stuck out to me that they were making a new Beavis and Butthead movie, and um, yeah, so I, I was anticipating this trailer for a long, long time, and uh, after after watching the trailer, I mean, I'm grateful to have Beavis and Butthead back. Uh, it it looks like it's going to definitely be a, a very funny movie, but um, I don't know. I'm not necessarily crazy about seeing Beavis and Butthead in a sci-fi adventure. I've always kind of loved Beavis and Butthead kind of just kind of commenting on, uh, you know, everything, not necessarily music videos, but I I guess you can say that, but just commenting on, you know, the world, commenting on what's going on. I kind of always felt that's kind of what Beavis and Butthead was. It was like kind of them in the real world. And um, I feel like that's kind of uh, might get lost here. I don't know. It's it's definitely different. It's definitely a new direction for, for for the show or for for the movies like well i guess it's only the second movie but i mean it's definitely a new approach but i don't know within that trailer we also see that we're still going to get a lot of you know the type of shenanigans you'd expect from beavis and butthead like uh beavis getting his fingers cut off and stuff like that so <laughs> it, it, it does seem like it's going to deliver on the the funnies that i want from something like this it's just i'm not i'm not completely sold on the whole sci-fi adventure angle yet and also, I mean, it's fun to see them actually working in NASA. I love probably the, <laughs> the beginning of the trailer a bit more than the second half. But it's also like, why the hell are Beavis and Butthead working in NASA? You know, how'd that happen? What's going on here? It, it seems like it's some kind of school trip or some kind of trip where they get a trip to NASA where they kind of venture <laughs> off into their own kind of wormhole. Well, they get stuck into, what's it called? They get, they get. Um, it seems like they, they become stowaways to this uh space mission and i think the science fiction aspect of the of the movie it seems like it's only kind of a setup for them to go in present get, present get, time yeah. yeah get sucked in get sucked in a wormhole and then they they land in present time usually they're kind of 90s uh slackers or whatever but uh yeah but they're also going in the future they're also going to be like <laughs> con- uh, conversing with these like uh i don't know alien versions of themselves and Oh, uh, to that, me, to me, it seems like just... it's going. To me, it seems like it's going in kind of uh, Rick and Morty territory, oh. and I just don't. I don't know if that's necessarily something that I would want to see Mike Judge do. I don't think they're going to the future. Future. I think that that's just the Watcher. That's the um, maybe maybe they're from the future. Or whatever the Watchers, their version of the, the Watchers. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's just going to be the nineties and the and then going them to was it twenty twenty two or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I like it. It's, it seems like it's another, um, like, uh, 
yeah, like you said, Rick and Morty and Bill and Ted's. Um, yeah, it, it's it's it seems funny enough to me. Depends on Mike, what Mike Judge wrote up. Yeah, I mean, he did make Idiocracy, so I mean, yeah. it's not like it's the first time he's kind of delved with this type of comedy. So I, there, there is potential. I'm definitely excited for it. It's just, it's definitely a new approach for Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, I'm just surprised that the trailer itself didn't get that many hits. I mean, now it's just barely getting over a million um, hits. So uh, I think the characters might be just a little too old. <laughs> yeah, that's what worries me. I thought this could be. A, this could be a, uh, was a potential to be a big hit for Paramount Plus, but well, and the thing is, like Mike Judge, you know, although he created Beavis and Butthead, he doesn't really own these characters. It's a part of the MTV company, or, or even I guess Paramount now. And so the only way he could like go back to these characters, he has to work with Paramount or or MTV. You know, so um, actually, I found the teaser to be pretty funny. I I, yeah. I didn't expect that much uh, from it. Uh, like you, I have my. Uh, doubts that that beavis and butthead might um still be appealing to the new generation i you know i trust in mike judge i think his comedy is very funny and i think he's one of the rare comedians who 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 come from that generation who kind of continues to be funny you know silicon valley is just a, a terrific satire mm-hmm. of the tech world and i think he he knows how to satirize some of these culture uh some of these uh Cultural, cultural issues, and I think he's uh, he has a great uh, comedic mind when he does that. Unfortunately, he does have he d- does have bad luck. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Idiocracy is a cult classic, but it was never released properly. You know, it was kind of buried by uh, Fox. Yeah, but, uh, same same with like Office Space and like uh, what was the other movie he did with Jason Bateman? Extract. Extract. I mean, yeah. he. he he makes good stuff, but he just has bad luck. I yeah, mean, then his stuff doesn't. His stuff is almost made for a very small audience, so it, it maybe it, it makes sense that this is, isn't going to be like a, a huge success. Well, we don't know that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just I don't I don't know if people even remember it because they don't air the show anymore. That's you know? true. No one watches yeah. it. Hasn't, TV. It, hasn't, it hasn't been in syndication in I don't know since I was a child, really. And um, when they revived it. I watched it. I loved it, but did other people? Well, I mean, we'll you, you said you you said you didn't even watch it. Not the revamp, no. Well, I mean, why would we watch a bunch of MTV stuff like uh, Jersey Shore? I mean, yeah. I was not interested in Jersey Shore or even someone making comments on it or comedic. But comments that wasn't on. that wasn't the the whole episode. That sure, was just sure, like the, but uh, we weren't watching. Yeah, we weren't even watching MTV at the time. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. But we did watch Extract and, and Idiocracy and Office Space. I mean, also Silicon Valley, which I guess is probably his biggest hit. Or yeah, his, in his uh, whole career. In his whole career, yeah. And it's a it's a, a wonderful satire of the tech community. And I, like I said, I think Mike Judge is still is very funny. I think he's a great writer. I and, think his uh, his crowning achievement is actually probably King of the Hill, though. Yeah, everyone says that, and I, I that's the animated show that I didn't watch you know uh um and i guess that's because it's more personal right i mean uh it's kind of based around his own family or the people he used to know when he grew up yeah but the, just talking about the teaser i i, I actually look pretty funny to me and i i'm well it's coming out june 23rd and i'll most likely take a take a look at it it's on paramount plus and i most likely i'll, I'll check it out well, let's get to our next topic, which is the Orville. The, or- the Orville is back with season three, which they are calling New Horizon. 
and it's a, a would you say it's a reboot or kind of a how would you describe this new season because it's been a very long time since season two almost like two years or three years since we saw the orville well i i'd say it's it, it's a bit of a a, a revamp or a revamp is good yeah i, I like that term yeah because it does feel well, different it feels well, a little bit one different. thing i yeah well, it's only it the feels first it's it feels only the first comedic. episode yeah, but it feels it feels a lot more of serious than previously like there's still humor there mm-hmm. but it feels like it, the humor that's there feels a lot more natural whereas before there was always like little subplots and little little comedic things that just kind of were happening on, on the side and um for those who, for those people who don't know, the, the Orville is the, the it's kind of the Star Trek inspired comedy series from uh, Seth MacFarlane. It was on Fox. It started airing on Fox years ago, mm-hmm. and it was on kind of on the bubble, or it was kind of in this, uh, you know, uh, kind of, it was stuck kind of in purgatory for a long time. And then they were given a green light for season three, which they are now call, now calling New Horizons, and it's back. Uh, it, it premiered June second. And it just aired its for or it just released its first episode, which it was a kind of a extra long episode, almost like an hour and ten minutes maybe. So we got we saw it. Uh, what's your feelings on this for this first episode? Yeah, it was a bit morbid, <laughs> uh, but um, it didn't it didn't uh, have that comedy um, for to start off. I guess since um, they wanted to deal with um, uh, the character, the uh, robot character um, Isaac, his species, his species has become the new villains in the series, mm-hmm. and then everyone on board are feeling very uh, uncomfortable uh, working a- a- alongside this robotic kind of species. Um, and then it deals with like what he has to go through. There's he is kind of ostracized through the whole episode and eventually well i won't give anything away but i mean yeah it's very it, it deals with very dark topics about um you know <laughs> i guess i guess suicide yeah but uh well uh, per- personally i'm I, I i loved it i thought this was like one of the best episodes of the series yet um i think the show's uh benefiting from um focusing more on on story and character and not necessarily having all these like comedic subplots and stuff like that i i, I it felt it felt more like what the show should be, but at the same time, I can maybe see the argument that then it's basically just Star Trek. <laughs> now it yeah. now it truly is basically <laughs> just Star Trek. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it definitely felt like next generation episode, but um, yeah, we'll see what the next event because this was this was just the first episode, and uh, uh, so far it's fine. It looks good, and it, it, it even though it was morbid and not that much humor in it, it, it was still a great episode. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's great writing. Uh, Seth MacFarlane directed and wrote this episode, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's focusing on some of these uh, personal issues or, or these kind of conflicts within the crew members. And it you take a step back and you see that this is actually dealing with real world issues. And I um, yeah, I I do like it, even though it was pretty long. I I, I thought it was a little too long, mm. but even though I I. Did like the the episode, and it took me uh, by surprise that it went so serious. Yeah, they, I mean, they started off with dedicating it to Norm Macdonald, who who voices the one of the alien creatures uh, named oh, Yafit. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder uh, for how many more episodes he's going to be on the show. I I believe he's he threw out the whole season or whatever. Or whatever. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I think Seth MacFarlane said that he was able to record Norm's voice for the whole season. 
before he passed away a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm glad it's back. Well, speaking of shows that you would love to see back, well, The Boys is back. The Boys is, uh, was it season three? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Amazon released the first three episodes for season three of The Boys. This is uh, the darkly comic uh, satire, superhero satire, ultra violent, ultra graphic, <laughs> ultra everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's based on the, the, the Garth Ennis uh, comic book. And uh, who's in the cast, Rich? Uh, who's, who's Carl the Urban, um, Jack Quaid. Anthony Starr, Aaron Moriarty, and uh, Laz Alonzo. And a lot more, a lot yeah. more, and a lot more. So uh, let's let's talk about the first three episodes. We all got a chance to see it. Uh, uh, what's your feelings on, on, on the first three episodes? I absolutely loved it. I got to yeah. say, you know, the, the first season of the show for me is, is, is like one of my favorite things on TV in, in, in a very, very long time. And uh, I was extremely excited for season two. And season two was still fantastic. But it was, uh, I had a little bit of an issue or I don't know, it's just maybe it was me personally, but I felt like there was a little bit of a, a, a repetitiveness to the second season. And it got me a little worried that maybe moving forward, you know, the show was just going to be like a villain of uh, a, a new villain every season. And it was, mm-hmm. that was just going to be the same thing over and over again. And this just completely just, it's just completely fresh, you know, it's a complete new direction. I'm, I'm shocked by so much of it. And um, yeah, I think this is gonna. I think this could be the best season yet. I'm I'm shocked by that because I mean the first season for me is perfect. It's a ten out of ten, and I think this might be better. <laughs> I, I I I loved it, and I mean, are we doing no spoilers? Like, I mean, can we say? It? I mean, like Homelander's base. It looks like he's the villain of this season. Like, are they gonna be taking him out? This is crazy. <laughs> well, Homelander, Homelander was kind of the villain of the second season, right? Yeah, I he's mean, been the villain all along. I mean, no, but but I mean, like, uh, but I mean, Stormfront was like to me kind of like the main villain of the last season. I always felt like they're not going to kill oh, Homelander. Okay. That, they're never going to do that. Oh. But now it feels like, oh man, I think they're going to kill Homelander. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're predicting this. This is this. This doesn't happen in the first three episodes. Well, one thing I got to I got to say though is like the. I, I am amazed how much humor they can still mine out of uh, the deep, out of the whole Aquaman <laughs> <laughs> character. Like, mm. I, I thought that the character was just going to be played out by the first season, but he's he still, like, I really like the funniest thing about the show and the things that they do with him just by having him start off, like, in, like, this kind of soap opera movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what was the movie with he, that he's in? Like, uh, Not Without My Dolphin? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, I think the satire in this show is it's phenomenal. I think it's the probably the best best satire I've seen in in a, in a comedy in recent years. I mean, I think they make fun of the kind of our current culture and the fact that they, we're dealing with superheroes just plays into that culture because we're just surrounded by Marvel movies or DC movies, you know. Yeah. And so with the season one, I thought that it was funny because it was making fun of just kind of the culture of celebrity. And season two, they went a little more political, and I go, oh, interesting here that they went political. I mean, the one of the main villains was a Nazi, uh, secretly a Nazi. Once they they said that you know season three was a greenlit, so we we had we changed presidencies. I thought, are they going to still be kind of ruthless with the political stuff? They are, for, for what I could tell from the first three episodes. They're still you know they're still kind of equal opportunity, uh, um, making fun of different. Uh, parts of the, of the political culture and i love the fact that they're in one episode they're making fun of the gun culture in america at in the same time they're making fun of like kind of the corporate woke culture 
in that same episode. Uh, so I, I think it, it, I think it's very smart. <laughs> and the open, the opening scene of the series, uh, we're getting uh, some nods to the Snyder cut. <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah. And it's, yeah, it's very kind of clever in that it, it acknowledges kind of the, the Twitter culture too, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think it's a very clever, very smart uh, comedy. And it's probably one of the better comedies I've seen recently. It's just one of the better shows. I think it's disrespectful to call it a comedy. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a satire. I mean, it's definitely yeah. taking jabs of kind of the current culture that we're living. Especially like a brilliant if brilliant satire. <laughs> yeah. I say it like that. Well, like, like this is funny because I would say this this season, season three, and I would say Barry, Barry season. Uh, what's the latest Barry season? Is that season three also? Yeah. Yeah. So Barry is now in, it's Barry, which is the Bill Hader's uh, hitman turn actor comedy satire, mm-hmm. is kind of like this. Is really taking jabs at kind of current Hollywood culture. And I think it's brilliant. It's just, I think both, both of these shows are brilliant. And I, I'm, I'm shocked that these two shows are, are getting it right or getting, or at least understanding my sensibilities about these, these types of issues that's going on right now. Because mm-hmm. I kind of hate the kind of discourse that's going around this Hollywood culture, this, you know, not just Hollywood culture, but political culture too. I just hate kind of the discourse around it, the, the viciousness of, of this, this type of culture. And I love that, that they're actually making fun of that. And making fun of that that stuff and uh in a in a brutal way and thank god they launched it with three episodes because it's only eight episodes in a total and uh, in a series and i i'm kind of wishing you know, I, 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 no i am wishing that it, it, it it'd be much longer and because it seems like we waited a long time but we really didn't i mean it it, it and i hope I'm, I'm hoping they got they're, they're already starting to work on the next season yeah i'm Raymond has this kind of fear, or not fear, but Raymond has this kind of question if Homelander is going to survive this season. And I, I, I don't know. We don't know what could happen. I mean, they, it, it could, the season could end with, like, Homelander killing Butcher or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, I, I, yeah Butcher, I, I think Butcher's equally a, a character that could, could be taken out for a couple episodes or even for a season, you know. Yeah, they could definitely red wedding this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love it because it's mining great comedy from like kind of the superhero stuff that we're, we're seeing in, in, in the popular culture. It's, I think it's brilliant. Yes, I agree. It's the best show on TV. All right, let's end the episode with a real quick uh, talk and review of Pistol. Pistol is a, the FX series that's available now on Hulu. It's a drama that hails from uh, director Danny Boyle. And it's uh, based on uh, the, the Sex Pistols, the, the legendary punk band in the 70s. And it kind of goes into the, the formation of the band and into essentially the, the breakup of the band. Well, it's based on the memoir of the guitarist Steve Jones. Right. He's the guitarist. And, and what we found in, in, this, in this series is that he's also like kind of the main founder of the Sex Pistols, which I didn't yeah. realize. Uh, before we get into like kind of the review of it, uh, what was your relationship with the Sex Pistols? Do, I mean, are you guys big fans of, of the Sex Pistols? I, well, I guess I got into their music probably when I was in uh, elementary school. I remember uh, their music had a huge resurgence in the in the nineties, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of that's that's when I was growing up. That's when I got into it. But um, I mean, they they didn't have that much music. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, it, was it was a very, very short-lived very small, band. Dis- yeah, yeah, very small discography. But I mean, I, I yeah, I'm, I I am a fan, but I never really knew much about like the history of of the band. All I really really 
saw of them, like documentation, if you will, is just the the Gary Oldman movie, uh, Sid, Sid and Nancy, which yeah. is really just about yeah. like the bass player, not even like the original bass player. And um, so, I to me, that this series was actually um, immensely entertaining because I I was actually very very surprised by uh, just their overall story and kind of how they came together. And I think it's a good a, a good a good show. Unfortunately, though, I think there's there's just a lot of s- stuff in here, and I don't know if they were like moments that were specifically written in Steve Jones's book, mm-hmm. but there's just a lot of moments in here that feel very almost high school musical to me. Oh, like I almost I almost felt at times like this was more like um like a scene street type of thing more than it is about <laughs> the Sex Pistols, because like there there's like a moment like in here when like. It's it's supposed to be punk rock, but it feels like again like uh, like it should be something a with Zac Efron. It should feels like something that should be happening with Zac Efron and like uh, 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 Selena Gomez or something like that. But it, there's a, a scene where the Sex Pistols like go into a disco club and they start playing punk music, and uh, you know everyone starts running out like, oh, this is horrible. We can't take it. And then uh, one one guy in, in the club, you know, starts. All right going crazy he, he 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 starts to dress punk yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, they st- he starts uh, dancing wild and then the woman that was uh, i think a caterer right. at, at the at the yeah. venue she starts to dress punk in the in the restroom and then they, they begin to do the, like this whole musical thing i'm like this what am i watching and there's moments like that i think really throughout the series i have and, i have to think that that was part of the book right I, I, that's got to be based on some true true story or something well right? i think that's well just... i well i wish uh, danny boyle had depicted those moments in the way that he would have depicted them in the 90s back when he made movies like shallow grave and train spotting because it was it wasn't punk rock you know there was a there was there was a lot i love the story i love the you know i love the cast i thought the actors did a great job i really love the actor playing johnny rotten Mm -hmm. but um at times i felt like danny boyle while he brought so much authenticity to everything and there's clearly a, a big love for the band it felt at times like a man that just that just doesn't have that rebellious angle anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, to what Raymond's just said, that um, um, I believe that 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 scene that you mentioned that I th- I believe that it was just a um, what the director was just to, like directing a scene where it represents the the that the, the that the London or whatever the scene is changing mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, that they are actually, you know, coming up just like those girls, those two girls that they focused on. That right. They, they changed the look. They're they're um, changing it to punk, punk rock or whatever. So that's, yeah, that's, that's all. That's yeah, all I didn't. I didn't need. I didn't need that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, but it, seemed, it, was, it was just a, a point of direction that they went for. Yeah, it seems like they were trying to. Danny Boyle's trying to uh, uh, depict a time in England where it was going from disco to punk. But that, like, disco was still the prominent kind of uh, music that people listen to. I mean, and, and I, I still may believe that it's maybe based on a true story that they went to this hotel where no one, you know, went to, to see them because they were unpopular. It seemed like it was basically the same uh, road tour that um, uh, that Malcolm Claren, uh sent his last band to, so. Well, maybe. and But the thing is that... that um, well, that's that's what I kind of liked about the show. I mean, I I like that they were kind of detailing some of these historical points in in London, where punk was still kind of on the rise mm-hmm. and still was unknown to a lot of people, and it was really 
um, Malcolm McLaren, which is the, I guess you would call him the manager, or he was kind yeah. of like the brand manager. He was the kind of uh, guy who who uh, um, essentially kind of invented the Sex Pistols, and and he, it was his part of his kind of revolution to to start the punk movement in the UK. Mm-hmm. And actually, I kind of like that character a lot. I mean, I think he, he I think he maybe deserves a biopic just because I, I thought his character was fascinating because. It's it, it. He was kind of almost the uh, the mastermind behind some of this um, punk culture, he, and he was also trying to commercialize it and, and profit from it. Uh, I, uh, Thomas Brody Sangster, who is from Game of Thrones, and, and uh, he's a kid in love. Actually, he's and also he was in the the Queen's Gambit. Uh, he was actually really great in in this in this series as Malcolm McLaren. And I thought he did a very good job. I think all the actually the whole cast did a very good job as the yeah the the guy the, playing Steve Jones, uh, uh, Toby Wallace did, mm-hmm. and also uh, st- another standout performance was the Chrissy Hines uh, character uh, played by uh, Sydney Chandler, um, who's the daughter of uh, Kyle Chandler. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what they what I heard. Yeah, and this is I think this is her first thing that she ever done. Mm. And she's playing Chrissy Hines, and that's another part of the story I didn't know about the Sex Pistols. That right, but the Sex Pistols that that uh, Chrissy Hines was such a big part of the the that group. She knew everyone, mm-hmm. and yeah, this the show is kind of almost secretly a Chrissy Hines biopic before she you know became the front woman for the Pretenders. Right. Uh, so uh, I I was riveted by the show, even though you know. Danny Boyle does shoot the show in a kind of dreamlike state. I mean, this it's not it's very fast paced. It's it's almost like part uh, memory. Uh, it's not straightforward. Uh, really, I think it's very straightforward. Well, it, it feels in this kind of in between reality and uh, it's like Rocket Man. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I guess so. I mean, there, there's kind of there's an atmosphere to this 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 show, which I like. To me, to me, it kind of just felt more like. Uh, Danny Boyle would have really nailed this series if he made it in the nineties, because that's back when he still had his rebellious attitude. I don't know. It just it it felt very watered down at times to me. I I see what you're trying to say, but everything that you're saying to me just sounds like, yeah, it's like Rocket Man, which is definitely not the <laughs> Sex Pistols. <laughs> mm. Well, I don't think it's Rocket Man. I I I think it's um, trying to get a vibe of the seventies. But uh, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of drugs, a lot of drinking. There's some nudity. I mean, there's some graphic stuff in the in the show. You yeah. Know, actually, actually, you know, you someone mentioned about uh, Sid and Nancy, and mm-hmm. which is the the Alex Cox movie that was based on uh, on, on yeah, and Sid Vicious. Yeah, but also really quick, um, that that's another kind of disappointing thing about the series because I think the first episodes of the show are are pretty fantastic, mm-hmm. and the fourth episode ends with like a cliffhanger. Um, you know, the Sid uh, Sid Vicious is a, about to become the new uh, bass player for the band, and then uh, it it kind of ends in that cliffhanger and gets you excited for what's what's to come, and you know, no fault to the actor playing uh, Sid Vicious, and no fault to the um, to the actors uh, playing playing Nancy, but. I mean, it's it's just a, a basically the Disney version of the of the Alex Cox movie. It's yeah. just it's I, so disappointing, I, I, and I thought the the final two episodes were were horrible. And it's not the actor's fault. I thought they were were great, but it I was just like, uh, just watch the first four episodes and then watch Sid and Nancy in the movie because this <laughs> the movie I think really captured the era much better than the series. 
I, I agree with you. I think uh, the last two episodes of this six-part series is that it it really almost tries to replicate what they did in Sid and Nancy. And I think it's not Alex, that they try to. It's just it's they, they go through the whole life, right? They go through all these characters' lives, and that movie already covered it so detailed and so but so the, vividly I mean, and so well. And it's like, but I mean, Danny, how do you not talk about it? <laughs> yeah, but Dan, I mean, Danny Boyle completely just lifts images from from Sid and Nancy from Alex Cox's movie. And I go, I hope Alex Cox give his a, approval to that because it it is. Lifted. I mean, they're they almost kind You're of. You're talking about like the hotel scenes, right? Not that just the hotel scenes, but even like the when he's doing uh, uh the, movie? the the oh the uh the, the music video. Yeah, the music video. But what, what's the the Frank Sinatra cover? Um, mm -hmm. I, my way. I, I yeah. did. My yeah, way. my way. I mean, that whole sequence is straight from the Alex Cox movie. But to be fair, a lot of those moments that do recreate stuff from the Alex Cox movie, they are like very quick. They're like. They they run through those moments like to get like okay we know there's a better version out here so <laughs> let's just get it over with really quickly let's move on to the next scene yeah I think Danny, but, but Danny, it happens frequently I think Danny Boyle wants to acknowledge that, that there's a Sid and Nancy movie and that most likely that's how you know Sid Vicious and, and Nancy um and in that tragic story about them and how they become huge drug junkies and and they have a tragic death and so I think they he, fueled each other's addictions. I mean, obviously, you can't beat Gary Ullman, you know, his performance. So that's, I mean, that's basically the reason why we know Gary Ullman. They are they, very, they are very different takes, though. I mean, this, this, this new version of Sid Vicious is much more youthful, much more innocent, I would say, than Gary Oldman's. Mm -hmm. I, at but least this, that's my take on it. But this is all through the eyes of Steve Jones, so. Yes. I mean. Uh, and, and Danny Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pistol, not pistols. So, um, you're, you're, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you want more of, you know, the um, Sid and Nancy or Sid fishes, I mean, there's, uh, watch that. The, the, the only problem I have is that they, they're, tr they were trying to recreate a lot of those scenes in the last two episodes. And I don't think yeah, they I need mean, to. Sid, Sid Vicious and, uh, and especially Nancy didn't even really need to be a big part of it at all. Yeah. Cause I was much more kind of uh, fixated with Steve Jones and his relationship with Chrissy Hines and throughout the whole show. Yeah. Look, they, 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 they do spend a lot of time uh, dealing with that relationship. Yeah. I thought they actually spent a little too much time on that <laughs> relationship actually personally. But what's your thoughts on on Malcolm McLaren's character? The, the, the oh, guy? he's 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 fantastic. He's my second favorite character on the show. But but for me, I, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, the the scene stealer is that the actor that's playing Johnny Rotten. He doesn't you know one hundred percent sound like him, but he nails the energy and like the persona so perfectly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this whole series is very in informative. I mean, as far yeah. as the the Sex Pistols goes, and uh, um, and for that, I, 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 it was just you know. It's uh, it's good enough for her to watch. I think it's yeah. I think it's a fascinating show. I think mm -hmm. I, I never really understood the kind of what was the culture in London at the time. Uh, there's always you know even before this miniseries, there's always kind of this uh, question of who was punk first, the Ramones or the Sex Pistols. And I think even this show, they really says that Ramones was already established. And the Sex Pistols was really kind of a uh, a product of of Malcolm McLaren, right? You know, they were kind of almost like a, a punk version of the of the Monkees, really. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's not, and that's not to say that that they didn't 
contribute to to music history with their songs and their albums. But I think it really was a product of of something that Malcolm McLaren tried to do with he was really interested in starting a revolution and but what I found so fascinating, he wanted to start the revolution so he could capitalize it on, on it, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was such an interesting way to uh, to show. There, there's rarely they talked about that in Alex Cox's Sid Nancy movie. Well, yeah. that's not wasn't the focus of it at all. It was just really a, uh, this tragic love story about right. this, like, two junkies. And, and I think that's the reason why I like this miniseries, that they really mm-hmm. tried to show you a historical, a chronicle chronicalizing of the events of, of what 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 formed Sex Pistols and how you know Toby Wallace I mean how uh, Steve Jones uh, played by Toby Wallace was integral in in making the the band I mean it really was his band and I, yeah I was I was just fascinated by it I was fascinated by how music was back, was done back then and uh, how how we are so far from like kind of the punk movement now like the punk movies the punk movement now is like almost dead this is, yeah, like, this is rock music is dead. Yeah, it's just it's now it's like almost a foreign kind of idea. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think they're 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 still like you know metal and stuff. Yeah, they're still rock. They're still rock. They're still punk guys. But are they from the street like uh, the Sex Pistols? Are they really like you know the voices Not of really. oh, <laughs> you know? Not and really, but I, but I do think um, I do think it's it's harder now. Which it shouldn't be. Well, that's that's also what's so so brilliant about the show because I think you need a Malcolm McLaren, although he's almost like the villain in in the series. But he you kind, kind of, of is, yeah. You, you kind of need his. By the his, end, definitely. You kind of need him him spearheading this kind of movement, even though he has uh, bad intentions because he wants to capitalize on on it, and he wants to really kind of screw over the Sex Pistols with their kind of you know as as a as the manager, but you kind of need someone like that to kind of form this kind of punk rock movement either. And also I got to I, I got to say, sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead. But I got I got to say like, you know, watching this series, cause I had always known that, you know, Sid Vicious was like the second uh, bass bass player for the band. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had, I had known of Glenn uh, Matlock cause you know, he's, he's the one on, on records and stuff. But um, I never understood why they got rid of Glenn, like why Sid Vicious, you know, joined, especially since Sid Vicious, you know, didn't know how to play. Yeah. I never under, I never understood that, you know, why it, it never made sense to me. And then you watch the series and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, it just, it, it, it all makes sense now. Yeah, I guess all- I could have just, all, I guess I could have just read this book. <laughs> I never did. Well, it's all, it's all about image, right? And that's what's the Malcolm McCann yeah, comes that's in. That's crazy, man. It was all about image. It was all about presenting. It's like today. <laughs> yeah, but I, I found it so, str- I, I don't know. Is this more pure? Because they're, he, at least Malcolm McLaren is dealing with people from the streets. And now, like, today, rock rock music or whatever, rap music or whatever you want to call it, pop pop uh, music, are they manufactured by kids from wealthy families? Well, it's, it's, you know? both. it's both. It's both. Because um, th- that's why, like, I, I don't know, like, about a decade ago there was that whole soundcloud movement where you had a bunch of you know young artists kind of creating music on their own and they Mm -hmm. were all from all different walks of life you know some were you know struggling some were basically rich kids yeah and you know people people succeeded like that and then you had industry plants like drake (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i mean drake is a canadian who was what he's a He's an actor, an actor, <laughs> and yet he, now he is like the biggest rap 
star in the world. Yeah, and and that's that's why I found this 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 miniseries so fascinating because who do you rather want to villainize? You know, a guy like Malcolm McLaren who actually wants to present a band that's you know represents no i certain, I, I, certain... I respect i respect what he was trying to do but yeah. he was also like kind of looking out just for himself yeah yeah and also the thing that that that's kind of frustrating like once you watch the series and you know the whole story it's he he had a good band like they had they had something there yeah and then he just kind of always like ruined it or made it worse than what it was <laughs> for his own gain yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just like it's so frustrating because it's like Man, I would have loved to have seen that, like, kind of um, that original lineup have continued. I mean, but they would have been, would have had the first check. With, uh, remember, they got uh, three thousand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a no, lot of bad decisions. That's what I found is so fascinating about the show. I mean, I think even though I could hate Malcolm McLaren, but is he more evil or or more more despicable than, like, say, your standard record executive working out? You know. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I, I mean, they're both kind of the same person. They both kind of want to capitalize on, you know, the younger music talent and exploit them. And at least he knew that there has to be a genuine, to, in order to like start this punk music, you have, you, you have to at least have genuine members of the streets, you know, <laughs> like, like John, like Steve Jones was like homeless, basically. And he was an abused kid. And you know his friends, and they were kind of from the, from the streets. And Malcolm mm-hmm. was like a posh guy. You know, he's like I don't, I don't know his background, but I'm I'm assuming he comes from wealth. And but you kind of need both of that. I don't know. I just found that all that kind of more interesting than say the Sid and Nancy stuff <laughs> that came up, came later. I just wanted to see. Yeah, the look. only to me the only uh, interesting stuff with 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 Sid and why it was important for him to come in there. It's because what an important part, you know, Malcolm played in bringing him in yeah. and bringing him into the band and really just like the whole dynamic with him replacing Glenn. I mean, when you watch the series, I think the person you feel bad, the worst for is Glenn. Right? Yeah. And Glenn was like the best uh, guitarist they had, you know, and yeah. And I like that there was a scene with Steve Jones and Glenn talking to Glenn about how, you know, you're doing too much like the Beatles. You're using minor chords and diminished chords you're, you're being too fancy and he was like saying just do just do a c just do an f to just do a g you know like these hardcore like these simple chords and i thought that was also fascinating because that's the that's the punk music that that we do we know right it's simple mm-hmm. chords and then usually just three chords and i i don't know i just you know part of me really loves this miniseries but the the, the last two episodes where they kind of just recreate some of the sit and dancey stuff I really had a bad taste. It got it left a bad taste in my mouth for it, but uh, overall, I really love the show. I really love the show. I hope more people see it because I, I think this was just kind of thrown out there. FX kind of threw this on on Hulu, and no one really is talking about it. You know, I think I think this would have been very successful if it was done as a movie in theaters. I don't know. I mean, I th- I like that there was a little bit longer. You got. T- I do could- too. I do too. But I think I'm just saying like. Because you you mentioned that you don't think anybody's watched this, and I I agree. I don't think anyone has watched this. I haven't yeah. seen anybody talk about it at all. I've seen 
But then again, as we mentioned in another episode, no one's talking about anything anymore, right? I mean, yeah, it's weird. Uh, like so, so many, so many. People there's so are much wa- stuff going on in the world that people just don't talk about entertainment anymore, except well, for us. Well, there's so much <laughs> stuff that's going on, and there's so many shows and so many movies that are being released on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis that you got people catching up on stuff this month. You know, there's not like a common. A show that everyone's talking about, except maybe Disney Plus, or one, yeah, whatever, or uh, yeah, Obi Wan, or, or or Stranger Things, like. But even that, I think there's a, yeah, there's so many I've people seen... watching so many different things at, uh, at the same. I guess Top Gun Maverick is the only thing that people are watching right, right now. Yes, that, that, I agree with that. All right, let's well let's grade it. I mean, what's what's your grade for Pistol, Rich? I'm gonna go with a B plus. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm giving this a B plus just because I a whole I, I didn't realize Malcolm McLaren and how much he played a a part in the making of the Sex Pistols, and I didn't realize he was the guy who also did Buffalo Girls because <laughs> yeah, yeah he For, he had Buffalo a song Girls. in in the, in the early '80s kind of a, one of the first kind of like music videos right MTV big movie yeah also a hip hop song and you know it was up there with like Blondie with her with her rap song um what's that rap song what was Blondie's rap oh um Rapture yeah I would love to see like a another kind of miniseries just on Malcolm McLaren's career and I love (laughs) like I said I love love Thomas Brody's Sangster and I think I I, I don't know the names of the actors right he's the he's a guy from Queen's Gambit oh yeah yes yes right and he, I think he does a great job. I think he should, he should get an Emmy nomination for it. I think it, it's a pretty good, pretty strong performance. Um, Arima, what's that your guy's, that guy's That guy's great in everything I've seen, man. This is a really good actor. Yeah, yeah. For me, the show is a... I was going to give it a B, but I, I'll, I'll go B plus like you guys, just because it, it is a very entertaining series. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I think a lot of that B plus goes because I, cause I, I am a fan of the music, so it was... It it, it it was fun to get this history and it was fun to get it in an entertaining way and and i and i love that danny boyle really you know captured the era mm-hmm. i just kind of wished it had been a bit more punk a bit more punk like i guess like uh like sid and nancy or even like slc punk the movie you know oh. with matthew lillard or like but, uh, how about like train spotting yeah or like train spotting mm-hmm. yeah i wish the movie had just been a bit more punk because i i think um Definitely by the at least the last two episodes, it should have been a bit more than this. It felt it felt watered down to me at times. Well, this is written by uh, Craig Pierce, and he is uh, mostly known for Baz Luhrmann's frequent screenwriter, and he's gonna he also mm-hmm. wrote Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. So you think maybe Elvis is gonna be very similar, and that and that they kind of there are gonna be kind of exaggerated parts, and you know maybe dream like dreamlike parts. Definitely. Yeah. It would make more sense for Elvis than this. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's true. Um, I guess that's it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode, and we'll be talking about some of the things we watch, maybe some of the things we heard about uh, in the world of film and TV. All right. Thank you, and bye bye. I'm going bye. <laughs>